Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. This is Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC, featuring the best of the best from today's conversations, observations, and ruminations, because great radio is still fresh the second time around. This afternoon on the Wesson Walker Show. Check had some comments with Sam Farber about this upcoming season. The Charlotte Hornets tip off against the Atlanta Hawks tomorrow night. I'll be on the post-game coverage for you right here on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We'll see what the Hornets are able to do in their first game of the upcoming season. But we do have to get to some more Carolina Panthers conversation. And I wanted to play a game today. And I wanted to play Daddy GM or Flea Market GM. <laughs> and this is how it's going to work. Because I think Panthers fans, we get to see these players that leave the Panthers organization and then they're successful with whatever team they go to. Deontay Foreman just scored three touchdowns this past weekend. They whooped up on the Raiders. Even P.J. Walker, maybe not because of him, but he's out here winning games. Okay? P.J. Walker, as a starting QB, is winning games against San Francisco. We saw it against the Colts. And so I thought, all right, what are these moves that we can actually criticize and say that was an awful move even then, Scott Fitter? We knew it then, and this is in hindsight involved. Or what what move could we call that a flea market GM move? Or which one was actually all right? This is the real Scott Fitterer. This is not Josh Fitty Marlowe dressed as the GM of the Carolina Panthers. And so we move on. We brought Stroppy in to help us out. Yeah. One of the third voice here. Wes, he ditched us as he's one to do every now and then. I just did it last week, so I can't complain too much. So we brought Stroppy in to read the questions. Stroppy, why don't you hit us with the first move and we decide what GM made it. Alrighty, first move. Trading CMC to the 49ers. Daddy GM move or flea market GM move? <laughs> Fiddy loves it. Alright, so if you look at what happened here. Carolina received a 2023 second round pick a 2023 third round pick, a 2023 fourth round pick, and a 2024 fifth round pick. With those picks, the players that were selected, tight end Bretton Strange, tight end Darnell Washington, and edge Nick Airbig, who actually, I believe, got his first sack over this past weekend. But none of those guys... They play for the Carolina Panthers because Scott Fitterer has been moving and grooving, making deals up and down. We get to see them actually use it to trade up for a Bryce Young. And also they traded up for DJ Washington. I believe that 93 overall selection by Pittsburgh was made because of the move that they made with Carolina. So the fact that you made this move, I never thought this was going to set some kind of rebuild. I never thought that this was going to be a horrible move that made the Carolina Panthers that much worse. Even if he's a great player, Chris McCaffrey, he's the best running back in the league. CMC is the best running back in the league, and I'm not here to argue that. But think about what they did with Chuba Hubbard and Deontay Foreman. 
guys that are making like $3 million this year collectively. Not even guaranteed, by the way. Deontay Foreman's making less than a million guaranteed this season with Chicago. And they were still really good. So I still think with all of the picks that you got in return, you did Christian McCaffrey a solid. I think this was a daddy GM move. The daddy move. And it was smart. So Scott Fitterer, this is not one that I'm going to criticize you for in hindsight. I think it's it's tougher now just the way that it's it's played out with the what those draft picks turned into and what when what Christian McCaffrey and he scored like 19 uh, touchdown like a 19 straight Six, game. It's 16, 16 now after last night yeah, including playoff games. It's it's something like ridiculous, but here's the thing. Was that ever going to happen here? That answer is probably no cuz I don't think he was I think he was just uninvested after Matt Rule gave him his The Way of the Panther book, and he compared the franchise to a, to a Pepsi can. And so I still say it's a the daddy move because you did what you had to do at the time. And we all agreed when they made the deal. That's as much value as you could get in the modern NFL for a running back. So, and it, it puts you in position to get Bryce Young, who I still think a decade from now we're going to be pretty happy with. All right. So, we both agree. Daddy moved. That was the real Scott Fitter. That was not Fitty, the flea market GM, making this decision. By the way, flea market GM, a nickname coined by a listener on the Kyle Bailey show. Sorry that we can't give you the direct credit. Let's move on, Troppy. What else do you have for us? Moving on, we have the opposite rusher of Brian Burns, Hassan Reddick, letting him walk yeah, to th- the Eagles. This one was a tough one for a lot of people to swallow at the time, including Hassan Reddick, by the way. When asked about the contract negotiations at the time, he said he loved it in Carolina and he wanted to be back with the Panthers the following season. He said he didn't necessarily want to test free agency, but that Carolina, they just had other plans. So he agreed to a three-year, $45 million contract with Philadelphia. After the Nick Bosa contract, I believe that was good for about the 17th highest edge rusher contract, which was a pretty good deal for Philadelphia, considering the kind of production he's given them. He was third in sacks. He's 11th in the league in pressures during the span that he's been with Philadelphia. Also led the league in forced fumbles, turning the ball over, which would help this Carolina Panthers defense, by the way. Hassan Reddick said he loved it. The production has been great for Philadelphia. And it's not like you can even only say that because there were so many other edge rushers on the defensive line. He was good here. And think about how comfortable you would be if you're a Panthers fan, knowing you had one of the nastiest pass rushing duos in all of football. Despite what you think about Brian Burns, to have Burns and Hassan Reddick on each side, even if they're a little smaller, even if Hassan Reddick did have problems with missed tackles, you can make up for a lot of mistakes by just sacking the quarterback, forcing those fumbles, sneaking up on the QB from the blind side. It doesn't matter, right? Having that much pressure on the edge. I think this is a flea market GM move. I think Scott Fitterer should have taken care of business when he had the chance and instead signed Hassan Reddick to keep him here long term. Yeah, no, there's no denying this is a flea market GM move. This was Matt Rule's guy. Like Matt Rule brought him over from Arizona. He was productive as hell the one year he was in Carolina. He made Brian Burns the type of like he elevated the play of Brian Burns. Almost the type of guy you would win mind investing $30 million in. He goes to Philadelphia as a part of one of the best defensive lines in football with all the former Georgia Bulldogs that, that, that he plays alongside of. And for $15 million a year mm-hmm. as a pass rusher in this league, that's a bargain deal. And so, no doubt, this is... 
This is as flea market GM as flea market GM can get. All right, blame Fitty. You can find him on Twitter at HTB underscore Josh. Any move that you want to take out your anger on, just tweet at him and say, why did you make that move, Mr. Flea Market GM? Hit us with the next move here, Shrabby. Moving on to the running backs. We have signing Miles Sanders instead of retaining Deontay Foreman. Daddy GM move or flea market GM move? I'll read the information afterwards, but everybody knows what this is. This is flea market GM move. Yes. This one's real bad. Wah, wah. Now, even then, this was the only move, despite people discussing how great this offseason was with the all-star coaching staff, with the player acquisitions that you made, going after some guys to help you in the secondary like a Von Bell, but even offensively, okay, we were able to retain enough offensive talent with Adam Thielen and DJ Chark. That was clearly bad. But with this Miles Sanders move, you gave him the biggest contract of any other free agent running back out there on the market. They offered apparently Deontay Foreman a contract last season, but Deontay turned it down. And so when he did that, that's when they gave Miles Sanders a four-year, over $25 million contract. As I mentioned earlier, Deontay Foreman would agree to a one-year, $2 million contract with Chicago, $940,000 guaranteed. Think about how you could save some of that running back money going to Miles Sanders have just brought back Deontay Foreman, who was very good filling in for Khalil Herbert in this last game for Chicago against the Raiders, where you could allocate those resources and just paid a guy that ran for 940 yards and not many games started for you because you had Christian McCaffrey the first four or five games. Yeah, this was a bad move, and I thought it was true then. Fans, people alike, saying it was a bad move then, and it certainly doesn't look any better now. Yeah, no, this is easily a flea market GM move, and I know there's the root, you know, there's the belief that he turned down Carolina and that he maybe wanted to go elsewhere. But this is the type of guy that you should have you should have really invested in and, and made him a, 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 a focal part of what you were doing moving forward. And on the flip side, when we look at the current running back market for the Panthers or, or for the NFL, that led the stars to having a Zoom conference talking about why they're getting paid. The Panthers are the example why. Like every GM in the NFL is going to point at the deal you gave Miles Sanders and say, that's why we, we're not going to invest in that position. Because you give out the biggest contract in the offseason and you're not even getting your pennies worth of the contract with the with the production on the football field so this was this was a flea market gm move by by scott fitter all right i wanted to go to some text messages here i want people to get involved at 704-570-9610 casey steve wrote in you guys are really testing my blood pressure with all this gm talk yeah it's not been great the bagel guy said what makes the hassan reddick move worse is that they gave robbie anderson i think a similar amount of money. So yeah, bad bad choice there, no doubt. Even Dante Jackson, Stephon Gilmore. There's only so many we can get to, but yeah. yeah, there are plenty of flea market GM moves. Finally, you have 980 saying, how is letting the best running back go okay? Well, it was okay last year when they were winning games without him. Yeah. When they were running for more yards without him than they were with him. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean that Chris McCaffrey is a bad player. I, that's that's crazy talk. It doesn't mean that he's anything less than the best running back that you have. But of course, when you can allocate money to other positions that might help a offense that is going downhill so much with the wide receivers and then still being able to rely on the run game like they did last year with P.J. Walker at quarterback, with Sam Darnold at QB, guys that came into the season as backups, then yeah, I'm not going to hate on Scott Fitterer for deciding to make that move. What's the next move you got for us, Rob? The next move we have is trading up for Bryce Young at number one in the draft. This is a daddy GM move. This is a daddy move. Go get your guy. 
I, even now, I'm tr- I'm really trying to think about what we thought about this in the moment. And no, Bryce Young hasn't looked phenomenal. But as we talked about earlier, when given a clean pocket, he's been hitting his open receivers. The problem is you just don't have too many open receivers to throw to outside of Adam Thielen. And even then, Adam Thielen shouldn't be your number one guy. As much as he's been playing very well, would be on pace for a 1,000-yard season, even if you did have another talented guy on the outside. You have to funnel all your targets to him because he's the only guy you trust in the passing game. And so with Bryce Young, you go up and you get him. You trade DJ Moore, which hurt then, but I still think you have to make that move if you want to go get your quarterback. And then you also give up DJ Moore alongside your number nine overall selection. So you swap the picks, number nine for number one, a late second round pick, a 2024 first round selection, and a 2025 second round selection. It's a decent amount of selections, no doubt. But it's not anything that's crazy enough to where it doesn't make sense to go move up and get your number one QB. The history's not written with Bryce Young after just six games that he's played so far, five games that he's played with Andy Dalton starting against Seattle. I have no problem with that one. Oh, yeah. Now, this is a the daddy move because you got you got the franchise quarterback you've been looking for since Cam Cam Newton got hurt on that Thursday night game against the Steelers back in 2017 when the season was at six and two and you went on to miss the playoffs. I know it's not easy to see right now. He is going to be the best quarterback of the last draft class. He's going to prove to be better than C.J. Stroud. You know, Jeff's guy, Will Levis, can't even get on the field in Tennessee. Like, like Bryce Young is going to be that dude. What you have to do is probably what we didn't think. He's a guy that needs a lot around him, and there's nothing wrong with that. A lot of great quarterbacks need a lot around him. Once they give him the adequate protection up front and the weapons in the passing game, he's going to prove to you why they went up and drafted a number one overall. All right, real quickly, let's try to fit this last uh, move that Scott Fitterer made in here. Yep, so last one, drafting J.C. Horn and Iki Aquanu in back-to-back first rounds. Yeah, this one's going to be tough. I, I feel like this one's going to be polarizing. J.C. Horn is the tough one for me. I'm going to say daddy move. I don't think it's flea market. The daddy move. I'm a little worried about Icky. No doubt about it. But... Kind of icky on icky? A little icky. He's played a little icky in a couple of games. Thanks for hitting the crickets on that one. The pass protection has been okay in four of the six games, I would say. There are two bad ones. He was good enough last year for us to feel comfortable with him. The J.C. Horn thing, he's a good player when he's on the field, but he is injured. I don't know if you can account for that when selecting him at number eight overall. Then I was mad that they didn't draft Justin Fields. Now, not so much. I just think that even if you wanted to compare Icky to the other tackles considered, Evan Neal and Charles Cross, those guys aren't playing at a level to the point where you say they drastically missed on those left tackles. And let this team not draft a left tackle a couple of years ago and see how this (laughs) fan base reacts. They would have burnt Bank of America Stadium to the ground if they didn't select a left tackle at that point. Maybe QB, maybe you'd be okay, but we all knew the QBs weren't good in that draft. That was the Malik Will draft so i think this is a daddy move i'm cool with jc horn i understand the thought process at least when they made that decision same with icky yeah no i i'm with you i go the daddy, daddy move. move as well because you got your franchise left tackle something that you haven't had since jordan gross was anchoring the left side of your offensive line and look man i know west doesn't believe in shutdown corners but the math proves when jc horns on the field he takes away one half and so you, you need to figure out a way to keep him healthy I don't know what's going on with him, but 
you 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 got a franchise potential left tackle and a potential franchise cornerback, something you haven't had since really Chris Gamble was here because Josh Norman was a one-year wonder. I'm going to go daddy move. Most underrated Panther of all time, Chris Gamble, yeah. possibly. Until that 08 playoff game. Yeah. Got That's him. What did it. All right, you can text in with some of your thoughts. Most underrated Panther of all time and whether you think we were dead wrong or dead right about some of these flea market GM moves or daddy GM moves. You can hear Wes and Walker live and local every weekday afternoon from noon to 3. Sit tight and stay locked because Instant Replay continues next. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. WFNC because great radio the second time around is always twice as nice. Earlier today on the Mac and Bone Show. Let's focus on a uh, on, on uh, the beautiful game, shall we? And man, how beautiful was the end of this Charlotte season? Uh, going 3-0-1 in those last uh, four games, including the clean sheet shutout win over Messi and company in front of 66,000 on Saturday night. It was an amazing place to be, Bank of America Stadium on Saturday. And now we want to know how do they match up with Red Bulls? What do we need to look for? How should we feel about this bumpy ride? in a playoff season in year two and a man to answer all those questions was in the house for Charlotte and inter Miami on Saturday night. He took it in and called the game for Apple. He is Taylor Twelman and he joins us here on the Mac and bone show. Taylor, what's going on, man? How you doing? I'm doing well. I just think it has to be, if it's going to really be a cowboy boot, it's got to be a size 12 and a half or bigger. <laughs> I think he might wear 12 and a half. I think I'm in yeah, trouble. That, that might be the exact <laughs> number. Or what, thank you, Taylor, for that. You, you're helping us out here. Hey, I'm a little afraid now of my mouth. Well, I mean, uh, any, any little soccer foot that goes in there, it's not as much fun and it's not going to go viral. So. <laughs> no, this would be a big old cowboy boot. I have a bad feeling. Uh, okay, We're so, okay, by the way, Taylor. We're, we're fine. Don't worry about us. <laughs> What what did you think about Charlotte's performance against Miami? I know I know in some of the uh, you know your commentary in the game, it sounded like you had the fear that a lot of Charlotte fans had. That as aggressive as we are with pushing center backs and and and, and guys up from the back, are we going to do the old concede late in the game type thing? What did you think about about Charlotte's performance to end the season? It was a special night. It was a special night indeed. I mean, first off, let's. Uh, eat give the proper due to Anton Walks' daughter coming out with Ashley Westwood and just that whole, 
I think emotional scene with 66,000 there. Uh, you know, Ashley Westwood has posted something on social media. Just it, the emotion of that, because it's been a, um, it, that's a trying time for any locker room. In saying that, Charlotte had to figure something out. They had to figure themselves out. And I was there when they played Miami in League's Cup. You guys probably watched that game. Yeah. They got completely played off the field. Now, Christian Latanzio, that moment said, we need to be more aggressive. We've got to go for it. I don't disagree with that. But what was a little alarming to me is there's one thing to have a center back go for it and step into the midfield and defend. It's the other pieces that have to come to it, and it became man-to-man versus zonal marking in the back. And that's why you could probably hear it in my commentary. I was losing my mind (laughs) because in my mind, you're up 1-0. You're at home. It's messy. It's Miami. The last thing you want to do is to get into any kind of tactical battle. And if not for Kalina, you guys aren't calling me today. So from an outsider like myself, one, the the ambiance, the atmosphere, it's fantastic. Every single time I've been to Charlotte, I've been surprised more and more at how good that fan base is and how electric it is to be in that building. So I love coming there. But to see Kalina save the free kick, which nobody's talking about because the save at the end of the game, the two saves, I should say, uh, were remarkable. So to have that drama, great. They move on in the playoffs for the first time ever. Fantastic. But it's one thing to be aggressive, gentlemen. It's another thing to be reckless and aggressive at the same time. And it's almost like they were just teetering on that line. Yeah, yeah. Taylor, did you did you think that Messi came out a little tentative with the surface the other night? Uh, n- no. I, I mean, listen, I, I I've done a good job, I think, of yeah. documenting how he walks more than any player in the world, and that was the World Cup in 2018. He walked more than 5,000 miles. Uh, sorry, 5,000 meters per 90 minutes. Now, I'll argue with anyone that says, "Well, that's walking." No, it's. It's with a purpose. I didn't see any of that. I think what was more alarming to your point was Busquets looked old to me. He looked old on that surface. Messi still probably didn't do as much as he wanted him to do. On the other hand, he still had the two best opportunities, arguably, of the game, and then the Campana header. So he still did what he normally does. I just don't think Miami, the moment they came out and about 10 minutes in, I do think the surface kind of played into the fact that they're like, wait a minute, we have nothing to play for today. We're talking with Taylor Twelman, uh, MLS, Apple, season pass. It is playoff time. And Charlotte, in season two, is in the playoffs. They'll play Red Bulls coming up tomorrow night on the road. So both these, and I, we're, I'm a Charlotte FC fan, so but this is not shocking. Both these games against Red Bulls were draws. All right? That's, yep. We are draw FC. All right? That's the way we, we felt for a long time about this team. So what do you think could separate these two clubs tomorrow night what are the keys to this game obviously it's it's a pretty even matchup right yeah i don't see anyone really having a huge advantage here i i I just taped a podcast offside on apple Podcasts. we previewed the playoffs and i said i'd be stunned if this game doesn't go to penalties i i think you're hitting the nail on the head now I think the quality of player, the special player, I think that's actually more on Charlotte's side versus the New York Red Bulls. And oftentimes the cream has to rise to the top in moments where you you have a stalemate type of game. The New York Red Bulls have scored the fewest amount of goals of any team in the Eastern Conference in the playoffs. 
Charlotte hasn't won on the road more than once since May. So something's got to give here. And I don't know if it does. New York likes to play a game that's chaotic, ugly, combative. The difference is Charlotte now playing the New York Rebels, if they are going to be a little bit aggressive and say, let's go for it, which I'd be shocked if they don't, maybe that plays into a game that's 2-1, 3-3. I, I don't know that answer because New York struggles to score goals. Charlotte struggles to win on the road. But oftentimes in those types of games, you've got to have a special player to do something. I think Charlotte's got a few more special players than the New York Rebels. I think Swiderski's got a fantastic left foot. He could pop up and bang a goal in out of nowhere. Vargas is in real good form. But all in all, I just feel like there's going to be two teams playing midweek. I think the game, the way the New York Rebels play, it could be ugly, could be that typical playoff game where there's not a ton of chances. Then you're looking at really an interesting game to fight through in advance. Taylor, you're a sports fan, so you know how it goes with some fans. Oh, yeah. Some some teams will make a playoff, but the fans, it's kind of like, okay, we made the playoffs. But how important, you've been in this environment here, you know this league. How important is it for all that we talked about that Charlotte FC's been through? How important was it for this organization, regardless of the result coming up on Wednesday? How important was it that this franchise got to the postseason in your number two? I think it's a great question, honestly, because I'm still of the mindset. I don't know if Charlotte fans are totally happy <laughs> or content. You know, I, I I I love the way they're combative. They're argumentative on Twitter. You know, it's got a real social. Um, What's the? It's got an SEC type, ACC feeling to yeah. the fan base, which yeah. I love. There's a real, it, it, you know, this is my team. I don't care what you say. I'm going to be, you know, there's going to be animosity no matter what you say about it. I like that. I, I, I want that. You guys would be better off answering that question. But I would be stunned if we pulled Charlotte fans right now. If they all said, hey, we made the playoffs, it's a huge success. I'm not totally sure that's how that fan base feels. Now, it's extremely important for the ownership group, for Zorn, for Christian Latanzio, for that group to get a taste of it. Absolutely. 100%. But I feel like that ownership has higher aspirations just than yeah. just, hey, we got into the playoffs as the ninth seed. Let's stay with what we're doing. I- I'm going to be interested to see, one, how the playoffs go, but two, what happens this offseason. I would be stunned if some designated players aren't moved on from. I'd be stunned if the roster doesn't change again. I kind of like the ambition of Charlotte and the training facility and the infrastructure they're building. I think it's a fantastic question because I think oftentimes in American sports, you judge success by just getting into the playoffs. But then when you do the math, you're like, well, hold on a minute. If 48%, 50% of the teams get into the playoffs, I, I think that's a more gray of an answer than black and white. Taylor, one of your old high school teammates just sent a uh, text in to the show. He's proud of you. Uh, Orso, Orso is listening in. He says, great stuff, Taylor. Congrats on all your success. So how about that? A, a member of your, of, of your past there, a person of your past texted in right now. I don't even know what I had for dinner last night, so um, I'll take Orso for his word. Uh, <laughs> props. I have no idea, but thank you, Orso. I appreciate that. Orso, you're probably the guy that, like, he uh, Taylor said, give me my water bottle, Orso. There's nothing no. wrong with that. Those individuals no. often I, end up I, in I sports radio. Orso, I think we got to be careful, to, you know, poking the bear, because Orso's probably got some stories that I completely forgot about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. You don't want a dark hey, he's got, a, a, text he's got a 314 area code. <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, I do. Yeah, he's in Missouri right oh. now. Yeah, this is this is probably legit. Taylor Twelman, uh, MLS on Apple. And by the way, on Apple tomorrow night, you can watch Charlotte Red Bulls. Let, let me throw this out to you. You react to this, though. But what you're saying is, like, how are Charlotte FC fans feeling? And there is a bit of conflict there, I think. Because, like, for me... I think it's definitely, you know, a great step, right? Year two, you're in the playoffs. I saw the other day we were one of only six teams to, to do this in your first two years, 40 points each season and make the playoffs in one of your first two seasons. I love a lot of the moves. Like, you could see the moves that they made, the midfield they built up. Urinin was big. Um, so I, I like the way the team's coming together. I think on the I think what you're talking about, Taylor, is – I look at this team and the way they played at times, the intricate passing, pushing guys forward. They can play some really pretty soccer or, as you might say, football, you know, but they it's the blown lead. It's the blown points. Like yeah. there, there's a feeling that they should be for me, that they are good enough at times in the first 80 minutes of matches to be like one of maybe the five or six best teams in the East. Is that fair? 25 points yeah. drop from winning positions, which is a little disingenuous for me to say that to your to your fan base, because that also means you could be up 1-0 in the second minute, give yeah. up a yeah. goal, and you drop points. The bigger stat is this. Since League's Cup, they've dropped nine points after the 84th yeah, minute. That's it right there. And if you cut that in half, guys, they're already in the playoffs. They don't need to worry about the Miami game. If you completely take care of that. You're talking about maybe a home playoff game. Here's where I would describe this to the Charlotte fan base. Do I think the roster is good? I do. Do I think it's fantastic and on point with what Christian Latanzio is trying to do? No. Do I think Christian Latanzio has pushed all the right buttons at times? At times I do. And then at times I'm wondering, well, hang on a minute. The roster isn't suited to play that way. Mm-hmm. I find it very interesting that your most experienced center back in Major League Soccer doesn't get into a game when you're trying to sh- get that point or get the three points, I should say. Bill Tuiloma barely plays. You're playing a college kid at center back in Privet. You're playing a Melanda that is very inexperienced but has a profile that has a lot of scouts salivating and interested to see what he turns into. He's only 21. So you see where I'm going. There's a lot of things where you sit there and say, well, hang on a minute. What if the 25 points was 12? Yep, yep. I mean, it's just, it is a weird confluence of everything coming together. I think the roster is going to improve. I think the roster is going to significantly change with designated players leaving, designated players coming in. I find it very interesting because I think they've got some pieces that I absolutely love, and then they've got some pieces that it feels like it's square pegs and round holes with what you're trying to do. Listen, if they beat the New York Rebels and they get a home playoff game and that city delivers 65,000, listen, Cincinnati's not going to want to play on turf in front of that, in that environment. So anything can happen. But I do find it to be an interesting conversation this winter of saying, hey, who is Charlotte going to be? Is it going to be the team that cuts the 25 to 12? Now all of a sudden you're talking about a three or a four seed in the most difficult conference of MLS. I do think there's a great debate and a great conversation there. Yeah, I'm pumped, but you got to concede, man, what could it have been? By the way, we have a a cousin 
of a former high school teammate of Taylor's. Now, Ta- what, what is, is going this? On this here? is your life, Taylor Twelman? <laughs> How did that uh, break out? I have a tendency to be polarizing, guys. So, um, yeah. Uh, and by the way, Orso says I thought he was a soccer teammate of yours. Orso said you were the kicker on his football team. I didn't know you kicked. Uh, I did. I did. The problem is Orso. Thanks. Thankfully, he's not telling the true story. The true story is I was the last person to have a helmet fit to my head, me in the center. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you were on. You had a helmet, baby. You had a helmet. Hey, thanks for doing this, man. It means a lot that we get your voice and what you mean to to soccer on our show, talking to SC, man. We appreciate Appreciate you, man. Yeah, no problem. Size 12 and a half boot, and I've got a size eight and a half notch. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there you go. He is Taylor, Taylor Twelman. You'll see him throughout the Apple playoff coverage. Charlotte FC tomorrow night on Apple, 7.30 start time. Listen to Mac and Bone every weekday morning from 6 to 10. Instant replay continues with more in a moment. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Because great radio the second time around is always twice as nice. Earlier this afternoon on the Kyle Bailey Show. Now a guy who could absolutely hoop for the entirety of his career, and I'm pretty sure still can. We've got seven-time NBA champion, Alabama Crimson Tide legend, Lakers analyst out there on Spectrum Sports, and just one of my favorite athletes of all time to watch. And I'm not just saying that because he's on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. It's because it's true. Big Shot Bob, Robert Ori is with us here in the Queen City on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Robert, it is a pleasure, man. How are you? I'm good, man. You just made my day, man. Uh, you just you, If that's true, what just came out of your mouth, you just made my day. <laughs> yes, it is. No, listen, I, uh, admittedly, I'm a diehard. I was a Kobe Bryant stand my entire life. I watched every game uh-huh. of you in a Lakers uniform. So I, I love that era of basketball. I had a blast watching you play, man. And I, I really, when I get to catch you on, on Spectrum out there in L.A. from time to time, I enjoy it because you look like you're having a hell of a lot of fun doing TV. Dude, I have so much fun doing it, man. You got, you got to love what what you do and sometimes you know people try to be too serious and i i had too much tragedy in my life life's too short man you gotta enjoy it and just have fun and that's what i try to make do on that show have fun and they allow me to do it so thank you to spectrum for giving me you know 13 years of 
uh, a lot of fun. Well, and if I'm being honest, Cedric Cornbread Maxwell's a good friend of the show, so watching him and James go back and forth might be the highlight of that. i got to be honest with you. I love it, too. I love that. James doesn't even let me wear green in the studio. That's how much his hate for the Celtics. <laughs> well, you, you are talking to James Worthy Country, by the way, so let's keep that in mind while, while we're here talking to... <laughs> hey, I would also point out, I don't know if, you, uh, if you've seen it, but there's been a very real Alabama takeover here in the Queen City. We drafted Bryce Young out of Alabama on the football side, uh-huh. drafted Brandon Miller here with the Charlotte Hornets. This morning, I host a podcast with Roman Harper, former uh, Alabama safety and Super Bowl champion, who wanted me to tell you that he attended your basketball camps in Tuscaloosa as a kid, and, and I, he loves you even more than I do. So you got to come up and visit us sometime because we got a distinct Crimson Tide flavor here in the Queen City. Man, let me just say this. Charlotte is one of the places I wanted to move because, you know, my family's from South Carolina. You got Ori County right there. Well, and I wanted to move to Charlotte, but, uh, you know, I moved it when I got drafted to Houston. I fell in love with the city of Houston. I never ventured back to the South. So, yeah, I love Charlotte, though. I love it with all my heart. So, you need to talk to MJ. Uh, give me a job with us so I can move that route. He quit, man. He quit his job. He, he, he doesn't <laughs> He doesn't run the team around here anymore, but he still collects a check. So we'll try, we'll try to hey, get his work. Hey, he still got juice down. This MJ we talk about, he still got juice. You're not lying about that. Well, hey, get, shoot it to me straight then, all right? Um, you know, we feel like, a lot of people feel like we got a really good player in Brandon Miller, number two overall. And I know you're busy covering the NBA, but you watch your alma mater. Like, how excited should we be about Brandon Miller starting his Hornets career here tomorrow night? I think you should be very excited. Um, when I watch him play, I, I, I see a lot of me, but more talented. I know that sounds weird, but he can just put it on the floor. He can shoot. He moves with a lot of grace. Uh, he needs to work on his defense a little bit, you know, but that, that's every dude that comes in the NBA, unless you, um, you know, this dynamic defensive player like a Gary Payton. But I, I think overall, you're going to be very pleased with what you get. Think about it. This is a guy who's six eight, six nine, can do whatever he wants on the court, can shoot it from anywhere. Can, can, has long arms, and you know, and plus, you know, he's a rookie, so he and he got a lot of room to improve. No doubt. Robert Ory, seven-time NBA champion. He's with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline, courtesy of Bet Online. Check out Bet Online for updated NBA title, conference, division, and awards odds, plus updated win totals and player stats. Um, talk to me. What do you think about LaMelo Ball going into his fourth year? He was rookie of the year. He's been an all-star, spent most of last year injured, and he still he just turned 22 years old like six weeks ago, Robert. like What kind of player are we looking at here going into year four? You look at a dynamic player. I think what hurt him a, a lot was not having Bridges on the team last year, so he had to put more of a workload on himself. So now that Bridges is back, you know, hopefully Hayward can, you know, contribute. I think he doesn't have to put much pressure on himself. You know, when you talk about exciting players to watch, you know, he's one of those guys that brings so much joy to the game with his flash and his flair and his love for the game. I think now that he can have a whole team back in the addition of Miller, I think he can sit back and, and, and we're going to see his true game because it's not him having to take over and do it each and every night. I think he can sit back and, and, and share the wealth, and this team is going to be a, a shocker in the East. How, how beneficial do you think it can be for him to have a potentially – you know, true center finally on the roster. Mark Williams out of Duke, like a legitimate defensive seven-foot center who's going into year two and really flashed last year. How much can that make life easier for LaMelo in particular? Because when you need someone to be a, 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 a forcer, even though you don't have those anymore, 
You need to have the enforcer to set that big pick for you, to get that big offensive or defensive rebound and kick it out to you so you can just start to break or shoot a three. I think that's perfect for him because people understand bigs, it's a lost art when it comes to big. But when you get a big that just wants to just rebound, you know, do the dirty work, it makes it so much easier for your guard. It's like you said, it makes it light work for the guard. It does. There's no doubt about that. Robert Ori with us here on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. We got a couple of vets here, Terry Rozier, Gordon Hayward. Um, you know, guys that, especially Terry, who I think has done nothing mm-hmm. but impress and establish himself as, as one of the better players at his position the past couple of years. We know Gordon can play Robert, but he's had a hard time staying healthy. Like, how critical are those two guys to this organization finally getting back to the playoffs? Uh, very critical in the sense that you don't have to put that many minutes on LaMelo Ball. You need guys that can, can step in and carry the workload. And we know Scary Terry. You know, he's able to do so many things offensively and with the rock that he, he has to step up. But the thing about those guys, it comes to being consistent. It's too much inconsistent in their play due to, you know, if it's injury or just, you know, not shooting the ball well. It's all about consistency. You see all the great players in this league, they're consistent in one thing they do, and that's be available and do what the team needs best. These guys, you know, if Terry Rozier's not shooting the ball that well at night, he needs to be able to lock someone up defensively. And you've got to be able to do these things for a team to advance, you know, and, and be playoff contenders. I heard you, I, w- I want to pivot for a second. I heard you answer a question to Dan Patrick this morning that I thought was fascinating. He asked you, who the, if Steph Curry's the greatest shooter of all time, who's number two? And you said Clay Thompson. And in the middle of your answer, I actually I, I had to take my earbud out and go go tend to something else. Why do you think Clay Thompson's the second best shooter of all time? Because I don't I don't know what the stat is exactly. You remember when he scored fifty points and only put the ball on the floor like three times? Yes. To me, how many players can do that? That means you got to be able to shoot the rock. And I think a lot of times people don't because he's 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 oh this is gonna sound weird. He's overshadowed by how well that, that Stephen shoots the ball. But Clay is can shoot the ball better than anybody. Did he, didn't he beat Steph in the three point shooting contest? Yeah. And also there's so many things that you know that, that get overlooked with with Clay. Clay, you know, before all the injuries, was probably one of the, the best two way players in the game. And so and, and I and I present that question to you. If it ain't Clay, who else is gonna be? I, I mean not active? I probably would have said Reggie just said Reggie or Ray out of reflex, but it sounds like I would have been wrong. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, that's the thing. It's the best thing about this is in your opinion. Right? Yeah. And, it's, <laughs> and in my opinion, it's, 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 it's Clay. I just I just love the way he can put the ball on the floor. And don't get me wrong. And that's no slap in the face to Reggie, uh, Ray Allen, Kobe, myself, whoever it is. I just think that if you talk about it on a consistent basis and what he's able to do as far as just shooting a rock, he's up there. No doubt. All right, so a couple quick things. I'll let you go. I know you're on a tight schedule here, but uh, opening night, Suns and Warriors, heck of a matchup out West. Uh, Kevin Durant's already come out and said, look, with this group we've got, it's title or bust. We know that's what Golden State's hunting. Like, it's opening night. There are 82 of these things to go, but what are we looking for tonight? I think everybody that has great players is either title or bust because you don't go there just to you know come in second or, or make the playoffs. And I think with him is Durant's looking at that squad. You got Booker. You, you brought over um, uh, Bailey uh, from um, Washington. They got all the oh, Bradley Beal. Yeah. Bradley Beal. I mean, I said Bailey. I'm sorry. Bradley <laughs> That's <Beale>. me. <laughs> I'm, I'm like my mom, Bailey. No, I'm not talking about Bradley. And I, you think about this. 
everybody always says, okay, we got this offensive power, but can you stop someone at the end of the day? Okay, you're down by two, and are you up by two? Can you make that next defensive play to secure to secure that game, and that's what I'm looking at. You know, do they have that lockdown ability? I never watched Bradley. I haven't watched Bradley Bill enough because he's been with the Washington. They don't be on national television. I don't know what his skill set is defensively. I know what KD can do, and I know Booker's improving each and every game, but they need to have someone that can lock down someone like a Jokic and like an AD. And right now, they don't have anybody on the team to lock down those two bigs who are going to pretty much dominate the West. Big Shot Bob, you, you got that name because you hit many of them, not just because you hit one. You got you hit several of those big shots throughout the course of your career. Do you have a favorite, one that means the most to you? Um, I, I have a bunch, but, you know, because I grew up a Laker fan, because I was able to do that against our rival at the time, which was the Sacramento Kings, you know, when I was able to hit that shot in the playoffs in game four to tie that team, you know, it means a lot to me. Because, you know, we all have egos, and to be able to hear the 18,000, fans in Staples Center chant my name was just one of the most amazing feelings ever. I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. And uh, I don't need to get into a conversation about it, but suffice it to say, Shaquille O'Neal was absolutely right on Twitter yesterday. Uh, you, you belong <laughs> in the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. Thank you for the time, brother. We appreciate you very much. Man, thank you for everything, man. I need to come there and hang out with you. That's what please, I need to do. Please, please. I tell you what, if, if I will coordinate it. Cornbread tried to put me to work hosting a TV show last year. So if we can get you out here, we'll, we'll make sure you have a good time, all right? All right, will do. You tuned into Instant Replay when the audio was so good, it has to be heard again. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan.